Hey, dear listener, Anthony here. Before we hop into the show, I wanted to let you know about an incredible new resource we just released, The Five Rules of Investing. Dan and I are huge advocates of modeling the behaviors of the people who have done what you hope to do. And who better to model when it comes to investing than legendary investors like Warren Buffett, Howard Marks, and Ray Dalio? This free ebook breaks down the simple time-tested strategies of billionaire real estate investors that you can use to take your investing to the next level. So head over to InvictusMultifamily.com and grab your ebook today. All right, now let's hop into the show. Sam, our guest today turned $7,500 into $70 million of real estate. Wow. college, you know, I was chronically getting fired. Like I had probably 20, 30 jobs and I was getting fired from every single one. And it wasn't because, um, I, you know, I was misunderstood. It was because I was a really terrible employee, like all those <laughs> things. Like I, I couldn't be motivated to work for somebody else. I, I, I didn't care. I, I didn't show up consistently. I wasn't present when I was there. So like all these things, like, yeah, of course I was getting fired. Um, but I didn't know that there was another path in life. Like, I just thought that's what it was. And so when I got out of college, I said, well, I can't go corporate. I can't work for other people. What can I do? What was it that allowed you to create success on the first match? Well, it's interesting. You know, we talked about it uh, very, very briefly a little bit ago where you have to have like this hubris, this, this kind of like almost delusional self-belief in your ability to do a thing and for better or for worse, whatever reason, like I've never had the self doubt gene where when I do anything, I go into it thinking I can be the best at this. And that delusion has served me very, very well in life because instead of wasting time and energy thinking about all the things that could go wrong or why it shouldn't be possible, I just put all my time and energy into doing the thing. And uh, when it came to window washing and business, like, the, the truth is like, that's a really simple business model that really just comes down to a certain number of meaningful levers that you have to pull consistently and you just have to pull a lot. And once you identify what those are and you determine in your mind that you are going to do whatever it takes to succeed, then it's just a matter of putting in the reps over a long enough period of time. Because I believe like success is inevitable if you just stay in the game long enough doing the work. And where I was at that point in my life, like there really was no worst case scenario where I was already there. So I was like, you know, it doesn't matter how long this takes. And so we, we just put in the work, like we knocked on all the doors. We, we stayed out as long as it took. We obsessed over every little piece of the business and just doing it as well as we could. And that's not to say like, it's really interesting. Like when you're met with early success, it can, it can kind of blind you a little bit. Um, and I actually got kicked really swiftly in the kneecap because I mentioned that climbing gym that we we built. Well, that was like my third business. And that one went up in a ball of fire. That was a horrible failure. And it was the hardest thing that I've ever had to do is to go to like 50 families and their kids and say, we're shutting down this program because I mismanaged it. I ran it poorly. I didn't do what needed to be done. I thought I could. And so it can be those failures can be good. Because you learn from them, you learn where your limits are, and you learn to respect those boundaries a little bit. And, you know, it took me, it took me like not just putting my hand on the stove, but actually, you know, 
jumping into the the bonfire and getting burned to realize like, oh, I'm not invincible. I'm not perfect. And as a result, that made me a lot, a much better business person. Um, gave me a lot more respect for the game. But at, in the beginning, like sometimes you just get lucky. And I do believe, I do believe that luck is a, is a very real thing <laughs> that we have to account for. You can't necessarily control it, but you, most people, they are willing to attribute luck to their failures. They're less willing to attribute luck to their successes. Tell us just again, as brief overview as you possibly can on like, if someone wants to raise money, how do you do it? Yeah. So you get educated first. Um, so, so yeah, I did put together a course called the cap uh, capital raising machine.com. And so for context, I I've been coaching for Jake and Gino in that community for the last couple of years. And I was getting a lot of people asking about how to raise capital for their deals, especially this summer as interest rates started rising and inflation crypto kind of went into into its winter and a lot of newer investors were suddenly struggling to raise capital and have those conversations and so a lot of my students were coming and saying how do i do this how do i do this and so i said okay well instead of just like explaining this each and every single time what i'm going to just do is i'm just going to lay out exactly how we do it at invictus like lay out our exact framework for how we designed our website how we do our copywriting how we think about our our cold investor lead uh, funnel what what our back end CRM looks like exactly the templates that we we use what do our investor pitches look like what do our marketing packs all of that stuff and just said here's our business in a box take it and put your name on it and and run um, because at the end of the day like capital raising is really hard and it's it's really no different than just building a business like where but the thing that you're selling is an investment. And so if you're coming from a world where you're used to like making high ticket sales, then this is going to be very, very simple. But what happens is in the beginning, there's two types of capital raisers. You have hunters and you have farmers. And in the beginning, we're all hunters, which is you, you have to pick up the spear. You have to go out there. You have to talk to investors one-on-one and they're probably investors that are within, you know, running distance of home, which means they're friends and family, right? And then you have to somehow convince them to invest with you. And it's really hard in the beginning because when you first go to friends and family, again, you have the identity issue, right? Like we have to overcome. They don't necessarily know you as an investor. So one, you have to sell them on yourself. Number two, they're probably not familiar with the vehicle of this. You have to sell them. On. And then number three, you finally have to sell them on the deal. So we all start there. It sucks. But the goal is to as quickly as possible to transition from being a hunter and having to sell all three of those things to our friends and family and become a farmer where now we are cultivating relationships. People are coming to us. They know us because of the content that we put out because of how we, um, how we're, we're talking about what we do. And so by the time they come into our funnel, we don't have to sell them on us. We don't have to sell them on the vehicle. All we have to do is show them the deal. So for an, a newer person who's watching and they're like, damn, I love everything that these guys are saying. I want to be just like Anthony, just like Logan, but I just don't feel that inner drive, right? I've, I've been a W2 worker my whole life. You know, people tell me what to do. And I just do it right. As an entrepreneur, guess what? Ain't nobody telling what you, ain't, ain't nobody going to tell you what you got to do. You got to do it yourself and you got to be a self-driver. How do you, what, what, what's your advice to that, to that type of human being where they're, they know they need it. They just can't internally find it. So for me, the big struggle was when I was young, 
not being able, like we mentioned this earlier, not being able to muster the discipline to make myself do the things that I knew were in my best interest long-term. And I would go through periods of extreme motivation and obsession about a thing. But then when that obsession, that motivation would dwindle, there was no discipline behind it. There was no framework. There was no infrastructure, no scaffolding. And so it all collapsed. And my life really... The, the, the pivot point was when I started realizing that through discipline, I could create a life of freedom because freedom was always my highest value. When I was six, I was put on Ritalin. And for the next 10 years until I was 16, I was on that drug, which had the effect of making me feel trapped inside my body. It shut me down from like a neurological level, sapped all my energy and it just made me feel like a prisoner inside my own mind. And so when I was given the choice at 16 to go off that drug, I said, absolutely. I'm never doing that again because I wanted to be free. But, but the problem was now I was a 16 year old who still had ADHD. I didn't have any of the systems, the frameworks, the beliefs in a mindset or anything to be able to control my focus and to be able to move towards my greatness. And so on the one hand, before I was trapped by my body in this drug. And then in this new world, I was now trapped by like something even scarier in a lot of ways, which is like infinite potentiality, which is that feeling like I could do anything if I could just, if I could just focus, if I could just stay the course long enough. And so I would feel like a lot of people where your wheels are spinning a thousand wheels or a thousand reps per, per minute, but you're, you're just an inch off the ground. And so you have motion, but no traction, no momentum, no, no progress. And I was like, man, if I could just ever get my wheels on the ground and for the better part of the next decade, I rebelled against the idea of structure and discipline. And I rebelled from like an external perspective, like no boss could ever motivate me or keep me on task, which is why I was getting fired all the time. But I didn't realize that if nobody else could discipline me and hold me accountable and, and help me move out of my own way to move towards my greatness, well, then it was on me to do it. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of Multifamily Investing Made Simple. If you enjoyed the show, could you do us a massive favor? Head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review. Your feedback, it means the world to us as it helps us grow and spread the word about multifamily investing. And don't forget, sharing is caring. So fire this episode over to any friends or family who you think could benefit from learning all about multifamily investing. Thanks, guys. We appreciate every single one of you, and we'll see you on the next show.